Alright, alrighty. Welcome to the wonderful view of Medellin, Colombia. Look at look look at this. It's insane. It's a city of eternal spring. Someday I hope to live here. But that's not what this episode is about. Welcome to Amor Muto Discovery. I don't have anybody to interview me, but this episode is mostly focused on why I made this show, why I keep making this show, and what I'm trying to discover with you. And um, yeah, how to explain that best is the metaphor, in my perspective, of a fighter, a boxer, a wrestler, these guys or girls have to deal with pain and uh, defeat. And the, the interesting part of it for me is when you get knocked down, so your opponent punches you and you hit the floor and you're flat on your ass gasping for air and then you got to get back up. And that's a metaphor for life. Life can kick your ass sometimes. And you can land on your ass and some things are painful and hurtful. And my, my biggest quest in this discovery is, hey, why do we get back up? And how do we find the strength? Because some people have stories that really boggle my mind that you can go through so much um, adversity and still thrive and, and learn lessons and get back up. And why do some people... Don't get back up. Why, 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 why do some people stay on the ground and not engage in life as they used to? Or why do they avoid certain topics or people? And I think, I think the best example for that is love. Like the pain that's associated with having your heart broken when you fall in love or you have a crush and it blows up in your face or you have a partner, you live together for a long time, you're really emotionally connected and invested in somebody and then God forbid, some type of disease or accident takes your partner away from you. The grief and, and, and the pain that's involved in losing your, your, your connection with another human being um, most of the time prevents people from falling that deeply in love again. Um, even just having a crush break your heart or cheat on you messes with your construct of trust. And, this is for me very related to the example of this boxer getting punched out and then getting back up, getting back into the ring and, and really believing in he can overcome or she can overcome and not letting fear nest inside of you. Um, this is the Amor Muto discovery. You get to be me as your host, Amor, asking different guests questions about the type of change they had to deal with in their life, what their life story is about, what was the hardest part of that change for them, how did they overcome it, what did they learn from it, what did they wish they knew when overcoming this uh, earlier so they could have maybe changed through it faster, and what type of change do they have on their horizon for the future at the moment. Today I am your guest and your host, so I'll be slightly schizophrenic answering my own questions. And let me start off with my life story, which is, as a friend of mine says it when he talks to me after a while and I keep telling him my adventures, is that my life had never had a dull moment. 
I was born in Iran in 87, uh, at the end of the Iran-Iraq war. And um, basically, yeah, my parents both were political in Iran. During the Shah, my dad had a stretch of three years in prison and after the revolution as well. My mom spent the nine months that she was pregnant of my sister in jail. Two weeks later, my sister uh, was born. And uh, when I was born, uh, we were not very well off because it's pretty hard to build a living when you have a political past because your employer will get in trouble for employing you. So in 91, my, uh, my dad fled to the Netherlands. And in 93, we also migrated and I grew up in Holland from the age of six. Um, the years that we spent in Iran, two of them, my dad was gone. The other four years, my mom got really sick, post-traumatic kind of, uh, how do you say it? It's called uh, um, like a mental breakdown, psychosis. So she didn't recognize anybody anymore. Me and my sister got placed with our family and aunts and my grandmother. And she had to be treated with electroshock therapy. It took her about a year to recover. So I know my mom, after all this trouble, I don't know what she was like before all this. Also, my dad had spent seven years total in jail you know, with a lot of torture and a whole lot of executions. One year he was locked up and that year they executed about 12,000 people. So uh, these are pretty horrific things for people to go through. And I didn't go through them, but my parents did. So I grew up when we arrived in Holland with my dad being completely knocked out because of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And us leaving our identity as Iranians suddenly becoming foreigners in the Netherlands. And in the Netherlands, people always assume that I'm either Turkish or Moroccan. And uh, both are bad stigmas because a they mean that people assume that you're not so smart not literate b they mean you get bounced at clubs because they're afraid you might start fights you get you get basically you're the usual suspect and i've been the usual suspect most of my life and that has messed with my uh, um, ability to connect because I felt like an outsider. I got treated like an outsider a lot. But um, also, I think the, the things that were going on in, in our household, like I remember when I was a kid in elementary school or in high school, most of my uh, classmates were just happy and jolly and like without worry. But my dad, when I was, I think, 10 or 11, he, he left to be uh, full-time admitted to a clinic called Sinai, which is founded for and by uh, Jewish Holocaust survivors, just to yeah, basically get treated for all his uh, past experiences in prison. And uh, basically from a very young age, I've been confronted with depression, manic bipolar disorders, burnouts, uh, basically a lot of mental uh, instability around me. And, and that also made me close down a lot. When I was 18, I decided I need to spend time invest, investing in myself and my own development. I studied architecture in Delft. 
lived on myself in Rotterdam. I had a motorcycle. I drove around the country and Europe. I love, I love traveling. Like Medellin is, I think Medellin and Istanbul are like my top two cities in the world to live in. Like New York is dope, but too much concrete. Look, look at how lush and green in the hills this is in Istanbul as the, 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 the sea, the Bosporus. So me at the age of 25 uh, had a pretty interesting quarter life crisis. I was in the south of France in Biarritz. I went to learn how to surf. Just before finishing my thesis in Delft, I needed a little break and uh, that surf holiday knocked me out for about a year. I was just swimming in the ocean and a wave pushed me down, hit my head on the ocean floor, broke my fifth vertebrae in my neck. I drowned there basically because I was laying in the water face down and uh, couldn't turn around anymore. And I consider myself very lucky to have uh, had this horrible experience, but I woke up without any brain damage on the beach. People dragged me out. My friend Mobin saved my ass. And the little bit of oxygen that was still in my lungs and my blood kept my brain from. Uh, being damaged because like I have to deal with the fact that I'm physically incapable of doing all the stuff that I used to do like kickboxing or driving my motorcycle or uh, like my old ergo therapist used to say being Tarzan in the bedroom those days are over now I'm Jane I don't know why I'm I'm Amor uh, but um this this is a big loss. Like if you identify with your body, your mobility, running around, traveling, giving people a helping hand, being strong, uh, ventilating a lot of your emotions through your body, like contact sports, and then suddenly that gets shut down. And that was a that was a tough tough thing to go through. But like mentally and character wise, I'm still the old me, and I don't know what it would have been like if, if that would have changed due to brain damage. So. Despite all of it, I'm very grateful for this blessing, this bonus life, because I could have died. I could have come out a different person. Now I just uh, embody a different vessel, but I still can clown around like I used to. Broke my neck, spent about a year in rehab. I never had a job after the age of 18. I always had my own businesses. So I started uh, running a business with my sister as well, doing yoga. So she has two yoga schools now, Yogoi, shout out. Really great place. We're in Amsterdam in one of the yoga class. I also teach there myself, Yoga Nidra and uh, Energy Management Compass. I'll get into that in a bit. But after my accident, I kept falling on my face over and over because I had a hard time accepting the fact that my mortality and my, my, my mental age did not fit my body anymore. Like, was a 25-year-old stuck in the body of a 80-year-old, basically. Like, I needed more rest. I needed timeouts. I can't move quick. Can't get dressed quick. I had to put a tube down my penis just to pee. If I forget those, I can't pee. Like, I have cartridges that keep me alive, basically. And, and these things were pretty hard to uh, embrace and, and also find my own way of dealing with it because you're... you're facilitated in that process, but I felt like the way the rehab process was designed, it was more like, okay, now shit happened, take a step back, just sit behind the flowers and like get old. 
peacefully, but I like to explore, I like to mess around, I like to chase tail. And I had to figure out for myself how to do all these things again and then keep my identity. And, um, yeah, like two years ago, no, it's three years ago now, I was in a sauna and I was trying to walk into a, because luckily I can still stand and walk a little bit. And I was trying to walk into a steam bath with a friend of mine and the steam can hit me. I had a really intense muscle reaction, spasm, broke my leg. That shit really fucked me up. Like the, the, the wound got infected in the hospital during surgery. I had to spend like a month and a half connected to a syringe, uh, getting antibiotics. And that, that really confronted me with what I consider the toughest, the toughest challenge or change that I had to go through in my life. And that has to do definitely with that whole boxer metaphor that I was using in the beginning. And that is the understanding that I am vulnerable. Being vulnerable is something that I have shied away from all my life, I guess, because from a young age, I was confronted with a lot of sadness and pain at home. And I felt like there wasn't enough place for me to vent my emotions or sadness and pain. So I just shut all those things down for myself. And after breaking my neck, I still wouldn't admit it. Like I still YOLO and like, who cares? I'm invincible, I'm indestructible. Breaking my leg was the, the drop that like needed to push me over the edge. Like I really had to learn. Like that was the first time in my life that I felt handicapped when I broke my leg. While I had been like in a wheelchair for four or five years before. But just the fact that I was sick and ill and my leg wouldn't heal. And that was the first time I was also allowing the emotions from my uh, accident to come to the surface. So I, I really, I think that's the toughest challenge and change for me is like, how do I embrace my vulnerabilities and allow the emotions that come along with that? Just, just getting angry, for instance. I have a lot of trouble getting angry. I just suppress a lot of my emotions. And this is, this is what I've been learning along the way. And this is also what I'm trying to share with other people is that the, the human connection really has a lot to do with allowing emotions. So, uh, if I want to connect with other human beings, um, I am open to their emotions, but I, I, I struggle a lot with allowing my own emotions and sharing my own emotions. And I guess my accident with my neck makes it super visible that I am vulnerable, but I don't act like it and I'm just happy and jolly. But a lot of interactions I have with people I have to do with that they are confronted with mortality, pain, loss, um, disability, uh, and my brain kind of evades all these topics and is just looking at the possibilities. Fact of the matter is, it's a really sad situation. It doesn't mean that you have to be sad or I have to be sad. 
but I did have to learn to to allow this sadness and and I think for me the accident wasn't the, the toughest change that I had to go through. I think uh, the toughest change I had to go through was when my mom got sick when I was little. I kind of I was too young to share or, or express myself verbally, but when you're that young, you're so vulnerable, you're just hanging on to your mom or your dad because you don't know what what this body is. Your 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 consciousness is just manifesting itself as a baby. But I experienced detachment back then and I couldn't express it. So I think realizing that that was the seed and how it still echoes in my daily life, that it, that old pain, that old feeling of abandonment or rejection or being alone, um, that fear nested in me and prevents me from connecting and allowing to be connected and opening up and then sharing my emotions. And this is an ongoing process for me to keep pushing my, no, not pushing, but allowing myself to feel these things, to verbalize these things, to allow myself to feel emotions. And I guess what I wish I had learned earlier I had a coaching session recently. I'm a coach, so I also get coached. That's, that's a, a smart thing to do as a person, but also as a coach. But what I learned is that like my life is beautiful. I really appreciate my life. I have beautiful people in my life. But this fear of this pain of connection and being connected makes the rainbow that my life is grayscale. It's like a black and white rainbow. And I was able to verbalize that I wish I knew earlier that I can color the rainbow. So my motto for the coming year is color the rainbow. That's something that, like the rainbow has all colors. It goes from ultraviolet to like, I don't know what the other side of the spectrum is. Somebody correct me on that, but. Um, so it has to do with the, the, the good, but the bad and the ugly, but all these emotions that have to do with feeling connected with people, how you experience freedom and safety, like you will experience pain in your life anyway. Trying to prevent yourself from experiencing pain, in my case, the pain of losing a connection, also prevents me from gaining a connection. And that insight really boggled my mind on one side and angered me that still this something from the past is finding new ways to manifest itself and then prevent me from experiencing my life as colorful as it is because again with the love example for instance now I've met a really nice lady who really embraces me with open arms and I can confess that in the past I've met many beautiful women who were willing to accept me with open arms, but I kept pushing them back or steering myself away because the idea of allowing such a connection created the possibility of losing that connection. And that pain was nested deep in my subconscious as something so painful that I didn't want to experience. So instead of taking a leap of faith, I pulled back and 
prevented the connection from happening just to prevent the, the feeling of loss. And um, yeah, I guess this whole color the rainbow thing is something I wish I'd learned earlier. And I'm learning it now and it's easier said than done, definitely. Just trying to grab my notes. With these spasms. Okay. So I wrote a couple of things down to keep myself in line because I do not have a host to guide me in this interview. Mm. Yeah, the, the other thing I had to learn with this physical transformation that I went through, I think this one has to do with us getting older humans. It's like in my, in my opinion, in my perspective, you have two types of people getting older. You have the people who get old gracefully and you have the people that get old and they get bitter. And this classification is uh, super uh, generalized, but I think it has to do with how we deal with loss and, uh, and how we deal with pain and I guess, do we embrace our mortality and experience, uh, embrace every moment as it comes? Or do we look back at the past and be like, oh, it used to be so nice back then when I was young and I was still able to jump around and and now I can't anymore, so I'm going to be grumpy all day. Or, or how do we deal with uh, connecting with other people? And this is something I had to learn at a young age that nowhere it is set in stone that we will become old healthy. We will get sick and our body will show wear and tear. And if you do not treat your body right, is going to show up later in life. And I am, my body has a lot of mileage. I do not sit still, even in this wheelchair, I do not sit still. In Iranian, we have a saying that this person has uh, nails under his ass. That means you cannot just sit down for a couple of minutes. I guess you could classify me, also my mom, like that. We move around with a lot of energy. And this energy thing, this is the thing I had to learn the hard way, and this is something I'm trying to share with other people as well. Um, if you do not spend time uh, recovering energy, the time you have without energy is almost worthless. So for your body, you know that you need rest, nutrition, activities, and then your body is a very smart vehicle. It can repair itself, and it goes... It goes, it's a very, very resilient machine. Humans are thriving in all climates and have been for many years without all this technology. Um, but the interesting part, that's the part I had to learn the hard way, is that mentally and emotionally, we also have an energy household. Like my accident left me with my left hand functional. My right hand is just my wrist and I can squiggle my finger. But for the largest part, I have to do everything with my left hand. So my left shoulder, my left neck, they're like injured all the time. And that's besides all the physical pain I have from the nerve pain and just my joints stiffening up and spasms and the high muscle tension. 
So I was left with a lot of physical pain and I decided from the get-go that I do not want to be uh, intoxicated with pain medication all the time because I feel like that suppresses my consciousness. So I, I just roughed it out, like the, 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 the old boxing mentality of like uh, pain, no pain, no gain. Just take all the pain and then you take all the gain. But it wasn't like that. Like I kept fighting it and then I kept reaching a point that I would have a short fuse. I wouldn't be able to sleep any longer. I, I just wore myself down mentally and emotionally, completely drained myself, like burnout, flatlining, everything gone, laying on the bed for months, looking at the ceiling, wondering why am I still breathing? Why does this thing not stop breathing? Everything hurts. Can't do shit. Haven't figured it out. This learning process brought me to the, the, the energy management compass, which is a course I teach, a topic I speak about, something I coach people around. And it really has to do with knowing for your mental and emotional household, what are the triggers like you would train your body? What is rest? How do you recuperate? How do you Harvest energy mentally and emotionally. What activities, what state of mind would people give you energy? And uh, what are the cues for you to know how you're doing energy-wise? Like your body, your muscles will start burning. And, and like when, when acid builds up when you're doing exercise or your feet hurt and you're standing all day. But what are the cues for you being emotionally low on energy? How do you know? how your energy household is doing. I, I had to figure that out for my body, but also I had to figure it out. Nobody teaches you this stuff. You're like born in a body, like, hello, welcome. You are a human, go to school, get a job, pay taxes. Fuck you, have a nice day. Be depressed, take meds, drugs, alcohol, and then get a divorce, have a midlife. We can do better. We've come all this way, we can do better. And there's a lot of knowledge in yoga. There's not a lot of knowledge in Ayurveda. There's a, yeah, a lot of knowledge in science. Uh, but still understanding our consciousness inside this human body and how do we deal with energy, I think is something that I was blessed and cursed with at the same time. Because if I do not follow up on what I have discovered and how my own energy management compass looks like, then I will, I will run low instantly because pain is something that constantly asks your attention. And constantly, it's like, it's, like, it's like having a hole in the bucket. It's draining you constantly. So for me, it's really important to follow up on, on, on what I know is good for my emotional and mental household to keep my energy levels stable. And if you look at it from a performance perspective, um, it's really important to be aware of your energy levels because you're going to perform better. What is two hours spent at the office with the biggest hangover in the world? Or maybe you should just take a nap for an hour, have a good breakfast, and then do all the stuff you were going to do at a later time. Um, keeping yourself sustainable, basically. I think I'm trying to see what I said so far. I think I've said most of the things that I wanted to say. I still don't know why I get out of bed in the mornings that it's really painful and hard. But I guess this, this human need for connection and then like uh, belonging to a social group 
these are things that that really are at the core for me. Like I've tried many businesses and filled many businesses, and right now what I'm what I'm doing with Amamuto, sharing these things, the the, the 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 silver lining. How do we get over this tough stuff? And what can we learn from each other? And how can we enrich each other's lives? by sharing our pain because we can make Facebook and Instagram posts about our awesome lives, but, but are we really uh, willing to share the darker sides of life uh, without being ashamed of it, without Photoshopping it, coming as we are and, and not being ashamed, not, not fearing judgment or being guilty about not achieve, achieving a certain thing. These things trigger me because in my experience, I have failed at many attempts in my life to be a person I wanted to be, uh, only to discover that that is not the person that I want to be. And then the question comes, why did I think I wanted to be that person? Why did I think I wanted to walk that path who has installed all these thoughts inside of me? What is my opinion if I take away all the other programming from society and my parents and I'm like, consumerism um, and how do I steer myself in my own path and how do I stay this focus and not get distracted by by all the things that, that make you hip or cool or part of a group how do I stay true to myself with all this baggage of my childhood and my accidents um, yeah, that's that's what interest that 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 curiosity and and the possibility to cr be creative in this path that's what keeps me going. And I wonder what your story is, what you have to share with me, what I can learn from you, and how we can enrich each other's life. How can we discover more about what this thing is that keeps humans getting back up? Like if you think about the old days in the jungle and all the struggles people went through. We're tough, we're tough animals, we're resilient animals. And, and we can communicate and we can learn from each other. We can really uh, lift the consciousness level of this generation and the generations to come. The reason I find what I do important, and I, I really hope to scale it, and I hope to reach as many as possible with this, is that um, if I look at the world and the time and space we are right now, there's a lot of change coming in our direction from we're just seeing the tipping the like little top of climate change. Climate change is going to mess us up. It's already messed up, but it's going to impact humanity. Like if you have like millions of climate refugees, we're going to see the dark side of the human uh, self-protection mechanism throwing up borders and, and just letting people die. That's one side of like very intense change coming towards us in this generation. And the other side, we have the economical, uh, technological revolution that's happening with robotics and AI making a whole lot of people obsolete. And then you don't have any economical value. Why do you even exist? How do you deal with those things? If you've been programmed to go to school, get a degree, get a job, and then you can live a life. But if there is no job, should there be no life? Who are you? Why are you here? These, these fundamental questions, they're going to be very pressing soon. And how we deal with getting punched down 
getting back up. I think that's really important for people to learn from each other and not feel isolated and alone in the pain that they might experience in this journey. So for the future, you'll find me trying to color the rainbow. Follow me on Instagram, YouTube channel, setting up the, the podcast uh, as we go. Would love to have you as my guest if you're willing to share your vulnerabilities, willing to share the moments of pain and, and despair in your life and what you have learned from that. So please hit me up if you're uh, up for an interview. It's like an hour session for being a guest. Uh, I would really appreciate it to have a lot of women on the show because I think women deal with a lot of hardship and have to deal with a lot of expectations in life. So women breaking free is always an interesting topic for me. I think men can learn a lot from that. And of course, I'm not going to discriminate the men. So if you're a guy willing to come on the show, feel welcome to. And I think that's a wrap, guys. This was, uh, I did a show with Raksha, who had a really intense story about committing suicide, being depressed, finding her path as an actor, loving herself, caring for herself from being the invisible girl going to somebody who is finding her self-worth and, and willing to be seen. And you didn't know who I was, so I had to make the episode before that. So this is Amor Muto Discovery 000. Raksha is number one. And we're going to keep going. Blessings, I'm going to go enjoy my gene. And uh, stay happy, y'all. Take care. I'm out. <laughs>